You're listening to The Big Show with Patrick Dumas on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hour four of The Big Show, live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Worried about radon. We install custom mitigation systems, reduce your risk. To find out more, visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. Go down the Atlas Beats and Sports Bar guest hotline or joined by Ryan Dixon, senior columnist over at sportsnet.ca. Wrote a, uh, your latest piece on the Pacific Division. Want to talk to you about that and some other things around the league. Ryan, thanks so much for joining me. Hey, my pleasure, Patrick. Well, yeah, let's get to it. So you had your, your, your latest article, Weekend Takeaways, uh, things heating up here in the Pacific Division. And it's kind of been like, like since December 1st, you've kind of seen, well, okay, Vancouver's really not going to fall asleep here. This is, seems like this is going to be a Canuck team that's going to be a threat uh, for the rest of the year. But then you've got maybe the two teams. Obviously, Edmonton had the, hor- the horrendous start and seen them play 824 hockey, something even probably better than 824 hockey. They've won two straight since the article. But overall, just your takeaways on how you're seeing this specific division, because I think heading into this year, we thought this could be maybe the best division in hockey. It certainly is showing it's going to be very competitive down the last four months or so. Yeah, there's. Uh, I think I said in the piece, it feels like we just passed the halfway point, but it feels like there's been three seasons worth of action yeah. in there because it's been so topsy-turvy and you know, six weeks ago, you would have locked in, even with Edmonton already starting to heat up, you would have locked in Vancouver, Vegas, LA as your top three in the Pacific, and everyone else was maybe scrapping it out for a wild card. And, I mean, now you look at it and you think the Oilers, they're, they're six points back in Vegas, but they hold uh, four games in hand. You know, they could, they could very conceivably get up to, to second place in the division because of the way – Vegas has struggled, and mm-hmm. certainly the Knights are, have some injury concerns, and now Eichel's out week to week. And, and L.A. too. I mean, L.A., we were kind of anointing them the, the 2024 champs in late November because not only because the results were coming, but because of the style they played and so smothering and just such a, you, you know, a team that gave you absolutely nothing. It just looked like, oh, this is the, this is the kind of hockey that's going to translate to the postseason. And now they're looking down at the likes of the Flames and Kraken who are nipping at their heels and – you know, they can't fall asleep much longer or they're going to be in a bit of a playoff chase. So it's just been crazy what, uh, you know, what a 180 there's been in the division in terms of some of the, the bottom teams. We didn't mention Seattle, but, you know, obviously a nine-game winning streak before losing a couple. Um, you know, the way they've re-entered the chat. So, I mean, if you, if you had said around American Thanksgiving that it's conceivable both Alberta teams could get into the playoffs, um, you know, mm-hmm. someone would have uh, kindly told you to go take a seat at another table. Um, <laughs> but but here we are. And, yeah, it's just been wild, including what we haven't really touched on. But you mentioned leading in that, you know, Vancouver, it's almost a story unto itself that the Canucks haven't slipped. And just coming off a very successful road trip and, you know, really looking better than ever to, to probably lock down first place, um, certainly Pacific and, and maybe even in the whole conference. Yeah, we'll, we'll 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 touch on all the like the Canadian teams for sure in the specific division. We'll we'll focus it. We'll go we'll start on on the Edmonton Oilers. They're twenty one and six since the firing of Jay Woodcroft. Uh, obviously, eleven straight wins now. I just saw a stat. Where the heck was it? I think they've got twenty three wins in their last twenty eight games, which equals something they did in nineteen eighty six. So, uh, some pretty historic stuff that the Edmonton Oilers are doing. Now, it's easy to say, okay, well, 97's going, 29's doing his thing. You can throw in Zach Hyman as well. But also, like, I'm thinking, you know, Paul Coffey's made a huge impact on that defense, and that's where you're seeing a lot of that uh, that improvement from with this team is obviously 
heading into the year was like, how good is this defense going to be? How good is the goaltending going to be? Well, I think they're proving some people wrong right now. Yeah, and you saw the depth coming through with, you know, uh, McLeod and, and, and Ryan scoring last night. And, um, you know, like you said, Zach Hyman, when we were talking about it in the office today, like you, you sort of knew the floor for this guy was that he was going to be a good fit when they signed him to that deal. But, man, every year he's been there, he's just pushed mm-hmm. to another level. And, I mean, the disallowed goal we had last night was a highlight real goal. Um, just incredible stuff, what he's done. And, you know, we were joking that it's almost worth that uh, when you talk about the, the two guys they, they signed as former Leafs, it, it's almost worth the bad Campbell contract yeah. for what the Hyman contract <laughs> has become at 5.5. It's unbelievable. So, you know, and obviously Evan Bouchard on the back end has, you know, he had uh, the monster playoff point-wise, but mm-hmm. he has just carried that over to this year and as a 24-year-old uh, looks amazing. And, and, yeah, as you said, it's not just the head coach that got changed. Coffee joins the bench and – you know, it was going to take something like this, something historic for Edmonton to get all the way back into the playoff chase the way they have. And now they're not just back. They're in a playoff spot. And as I said, they're, they're not. I mean, if you're the Oilers, you're now thinking about home ice advantage in the first round. That's a scary thought because that was the one thing. I was like, okay, well, if they're a wild card team, sure. But then they're, they're at that disadvantage if they don't, they can't match lines and everything. Like, they're going to be, they have that because you saw that kind of like with, well, I shouldn't say that because they had the home heist advantage last year, but you didn't want to see them in that where they couldn't match battles with, with like Vegas or LA. Now they're putting themselves into that opportunity where they can put themselves in that spot. As you say, that they're, they're closing in on maybe a home playoff spot. Uh, still lots of hockey to go, but how do you think they should approach this deadline? Obviously they moved the first last year to get Matias Ekholm. I'm pretty sure that first is probably in play again. Absolutely. I mean, they're firmly in their window. You've got Leon Dreisaitl set to become potentially a, mm-hmm. a UFA in 2025. You can't mess around. I mean, you've already dodged a massive bullet because it looked like you could legit be out of the playoffs this year. And what a nightmare that would have been. And going into a summer where you've got your big stars saying, what are we even doing here? I mean, it would, like you said, a lot of hockey to go, but it would certainly seem to take something pretty disastrous now for them to slip out of the playoffs. So I think if you're Edmonton, whether it's, you're in, in the wild card spot or home ice advantage, you know, you're pushing your chips and you're trying to find an extra piece up front, an extra piece on the back end. Maybe, you know, obviously Skinner's been better, but if you could find the right goalie, uh, you know, considering tap considerations, um, then you'd look at that too. But I'm sure you're putting your, your 2024 number one and, and beyond on the table right now. Uh, we'll, we'll slide down the, the QE2 to come to Calgary here in the Calgary Flames. This is a team that's right in that middle, just – where they kind of have been over the last while now is just outside of the, you know a couple of years ago where they win the Pacific Division. This has been a team that's been floating around those, the wild card positioning. You know, 139 goals for, 139 goals against. They obviously are probably the most intriguing team heading into the NHL's trade deadline with three pending UFAs that would make any team better. I'm sure in Noah Hannafin, Chris Tanevin, and Elias Lindholm. This Flames team obviously they've won four straight, first time in. Uh, a little over a calendar year that they've done that. What, what's your read on this team? Is this a team that should be fighting for this wildcard spot? Just go in, see what you can do, or is this maybe, hey, tear it down? This is we need to start the rebuild sooner rather than later because we can't be doing this average year after year. Yeah, you know, <laughs> there's there's a temptation to put teams in the mushy middle on blast, and, and I know often I would. There's too many uh, of them. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing with Calgary is I guess it's, it depends how far back you want to go, but relative to how bad 
last year went and just how bad the vibes were and even how things started this year. I mean, you would know better than I, but correct me if I'm wrong. I'm guessing there's a lot of fans out there that right now would be like, you know what? I'd take a playoff first and a hard-fought first I, round again. I think it's about split. I think it's yeah, split down yeah. the middle around these parts. Well, I also, I also think everyone knows there's only so much they can do. And it's funny, like Calgary is so polarized uh, in the sense that they've got these guys who are such obvious candidates to go who you listed, and then they've got guys starting with Huberto, who you just absolutely positively could not move. So it's like, well, look, you're married to some, you know, Kadri's going to be there. Huberto's going to be there because of the contracts they're on. It's kind of like, well, you might as well make do with what you have, nibble around the edges. I mean, it certainly seems like the writing's been on the wall with Lindholm that he's not coming back. And I don't think, you know, you can't, you can't have a scenario where you hang on to him in the hopes that, you know, he helps you get into the first round and, 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 and maybe win a few games. I think when it comes to, when you look at the price, uh, the return you could get for someone like Lindholm, especially if he was to sign an extension with a new club, that you absolutely, mm-hmm. you have to sell in, in that regard with Calgary, but that doesn't preclude you from signing Hannafin to a, a, an eight-year extension because it certainly seems like that's something that's still in play. So, I, 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 again, I think usually there'd be a tendency – um, to shout down a team that's kind of playing it from both sides. But we know there, there's just no real possibility here where it goes down to the studs for Calgary. So I think you mm-hmm. sell the obvious pieces and, and you try to get some players back. I mean, obviously this is a good time to puncture and go tires because he's been on a roll lately. But you target those guys who are younger, who you're not necessarily getting, you know, a first-round pick in 2025 or yeah. a second-round pick. You know, I, I guess you'll, you'll always pocket a first, but – point is you're not looking for for things that can help you three years down the road you might be looking for things that can help you right now um but at the same time you just can't given the position calgary's in you just can't hang on to guys who you know in your heart of hearts are walking out the door in the summer you've got to move those guys mm-hmm. even if it hurts your chances right now um but yeah I, I think it's been so unpleasant there since basically the summer of 2022 and you know last year goes off the rails and I, my guess is everyone would take uh, a, a good six-game first-round playoff series, or many people would at this point. Yeah, it is certainly a wild ride. Just, just want to kind of figure out that direction. I think we're getting closer and closer. And I think once we get past the All-Star break, I think uh, Craig Connery will try to figure out what the heck he wants to do. Uh, we'll, we'll go to, to Vancouver here, and then we'll kind of keep Winnipeg in here. I know you, it was an article on the Pacific Division, but I kind of want to leap all the Canadian teams in here. Would you take Vancouver's higher-end talent of four 50-point guys right now and maybe three-plus 100-point guys versus, or, or sorry, or Winnipeg's more depth throughout the lineup? They've got Kyle Connor back. Mark Scheifele's expected to be back on Saturday. How would you want your team to be approached come deadline or come the, the playoffs who who you taking i mean it's a tough question we were just talking about you know how bonus has these guys playing so well forget what the stat is but it's like they haven't allowed three regulation time goals in 30 games yeah i mean I, I i think i guess you know in the immediate aftermath of a vegas uh edmonton oilers playoff series last year it feels like you have to say take the depth like as boring as it is but i don't know i I just look at this Vancouver team and I think, you know, obviously it's gone way better than expected than anyone would have expected, but the pillars were all there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's not just uh, Quinn Hughes becoming, you know, fully the the, the player and and Hart Trophy candidate. Everyone, um, you know, fought on the highest end he could be or or Pedersen doing what he's doing. But 
you know, the, the comeback year from Brock Besser is just is absolutely off the charts. And I guess the thing, too, is when you look at the deadline, obviously you hope you can fill in with those depth pieces. And I guess to sort of answer the question, I'd, I'd rather be having my high-end talent in place and trying to fill in around the margins, mm. even if it's tough with the cap, than looking at my team and going, well, at the end of the day, do we just have enough gunners to get it done? And, you know, I don't know if that's the case in, in, in Winnipeg, whether you could say there's just not enough high-end talent because, I mean, just the way Velarde has played. No, I'm definitely not and, saying there's not high-end talent in Winnipeg. I just no, think, no, like, for sure. Yeah. But I get the contrast, yeah. right? Yeah. And you look at, you know, you look deeper down the lineup mm-hmm. and there's not as much there. Um, like so, Kyle Connor I mean, was on his right now, Yeah, Kyle Connor was going to get like yeah, 55 goals before he got hurt. That's right. <laughs> and look what they've done since he went down. So yeah. just two truly unbelievable stories. Like sometimes the two teams at the top of the league aren't necessarily the best two stories. I think you have a hard time making the case yeah. uh, from a team success perspective. It's anything other than Winnipeg and, and Vancouver this year. Yeah, and the, and the three hottest teams since uh, December 1st all reside in uh, Western Canada, Winnipeg, Vancouver, and Edmonton. All just absolutely killing it since uh, since December one. Uh, okay, we'll st- we'll stay in the Pacific here. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, obviously Jack Eichel, his injury issue, the lower body surgery. Vegas Golden Knights, obviously a very secretive type organization. They say he's week to week. Now this is like I'm not so worried about Vegas because this is a team that's like, hey, we've played what is it, game forty four. We know what we have to do come April. Is that kind of the same vibe you're getting from Vegas? This is a team that just gets gets to the postseason and let the chips fly there? Yeah, I mean, certainly not a lot is going to rile them, but you look at that IR expanding, yeah. and it's pretty <laughs> tough. So, uh, again, there's just not a lot of room to mess around. And, you know, I think they have kind of earned the credibility with the victory last year to say, you're always going to give them the benefit of the doubt, but it's going to be interesting here. And they've obviously got some, uh, you know, some interesting uh, UFA situations with Marcy show and, and Stevenson and not that they're going to be sellers by any stretch, but I think they're going to need to figure out sooner rather than later what's happening there. But when you, you know, they went through it last year with the goalies and, um, and, and just kept finding guys who could play. So it's not like the team hasn't, found solutions before um but you know you get to a point where you've just got so many guys when you know when you're talking about Eichel and Theodore and you know Carlson it's uh it's a lot so we'll see uh we know they're they're always in it to win it we know they're always going to be um aggressive and and identify their guys and and do what they can to to go get them but you know, a couple more weeks of the arrows pointing the way they are in the Pacific, and it's gonna get uh, it's gonna get a little tight there. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, it is like you see what's happening with the Los Angeles Kings, who are you know floating there right at the top of the Pacific Division, but have one in ten in their last eleven. It's just not very good hockey happening now with uh, with the Los Angeles Kings. Victor Arvidsson, he's still a month away, uh, but I, all the focus really is is on that Pierre Luc Dubois trade and how it's not turned out anywhere to way that they thought Rob Blake and how the LA Kings wanted it to work out. And then you go see what's happening in Winnipeg with how Gabe Velarde, Alex Alafalo have been contributing. Obviously, Rasmus Kapari has been injured, and they also have a second rounder coming their way as well. But just overall with uh, the, the LA Kings, you said like everybody was seeing we were anointing these guys Stanley Cup champions or at least a favorite, similar to how Vegas is. Kind of now that they're showing their little bit of a, some cracks in that armor. Well, you know, it's funny. You do sort of think of the Kings teams and draw some parallels that won the championship Kinda, yeah. going back 10 years now, and specifically the 2012 team, because 
those are always lock it down teams that had trouble scoring. And this mm-hmm. team still just has trouble scoring. And obviously, you know, the thing with Dubois is, you know, you knew you weren't bringing in a, a 40 goal guy. I mean, that his, his reputation has always been just big, sturdy guy that, you know, when the chips are down is, is going to be the kind of player and specifically center that you want. And God, you thought Kopitar, Deneau, Dubois down the middle, you know, who's, who's got a top three better than that. And maybe that will still bear out, but you know, they still need more than a 40-point season out of this guy. But I do think about, you know, you go back to the the first year they got Jeff Carter, and, and that just kind of helped turn everything around. And they, they basically wound up storming to the to the Stanley Cup from the eighth seed. And then the, in 14, it was Marion Gabrick. And, you know, it, it's tough to be out there looking for silver bullets come trade deadline time, but they are the kind of team that you look around and think like, you know, who's a seller who's got a guy that, you know, just doesn't fit for whatever reason, but has some scoring ability that you could drop into that lineup. And, you know, Gabrick and Carter were guys who came with serious pedigree and were super high picks and accomplished players. But by the same token, um, you know, they, they weren't doing a lot where they were and, and you drop them in LA and they just fit perfectly. So, I mean, it's like the infrastructure is there with LA, especially with, you know, with Talbot working out mm-hmm. quite well in goal, um, but they got to score more goals. And right now they're just not finding it. So we'll, we'll see. It'll be very interesting to see, you know, what they're sniffing around. You know, could they you know, look up the, up the highway to San Jose? Like yeah. there's, there's obviously, you know, there's a few intriguing names. Like, could you go out and get a Duclair mm-hmm. kind of on the cheap and, and all of a sudden be like, whoa, we just added a 30 goal guy. He's playing like a 30 goal guy for us. And boom, it takes right off. So um, we'll see. But, you know, again, right now, they're looking at teams that are um, not just knocking them out of a third spot in the division, but they got to be careful not to be slipping into a, a full-blown playoff battle. We're chatting with Ryan Dixon, uh, Sportsnet uh, senior columnist over at Sportsnet.ca. A few more with you, buddy. Uh, we'll start with uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're in town here tomorrow uh, to take on the Flames. They were in Edmonton last night. That's three straight games now uh, that they've had uh, the third period blow-ups. They've had nine goals that scored in their last three third periods. Uh, now, obviously, this is a team that's got their horses locked up, at least you know a couple of them locked up. Mitch Marner, we'll see what happens with his future down the line, obviously with John Tavares as well. But just, just overall, like how much... How much pressure, like obviously the pressure is huge in that in that place, but like if this team, like I'm not giving them much chance to make it out of the first round right now, Ryan, the way they've been playing. Yeah, I mean, it's tough because I do think in some ways with the regime change at the top and Trilliving coming in, there was a small breath of fresh air at the beginning yeah. of the season, but it, all it takes is three straight games where you blow leads that, uh, you know, things tighten up. And They're calling for Keith's head. <laughs> sure, and, and and to be like that is not the 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 first time that has happened nope. in the past couple of years. And you know, you go back to the start of last year. I think they lost an overtime game in Anaheim in October, and it was like, okay, here we go. Like, is this going to be it? And you know, he only had one year left on his deal at that point. So I will say this: it's a it is a bit of a boring answer, but I do think if Joseph Wall is a net for Toronto, things are the the heat is down a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a lot to put on a guy who's a rookie net miner, but he's he had really stabilized things in there. And I think if he was still playing every you know two out of three games for them, I think a few of those leads probably don't get blown. You know, you look at the first goal last night; they left the orders back in from Jones. 
you know, you, you had to figure there was a, a limitation to the Martin Jones experience and um, maybe he'd be a good backup, but he's not a guy who can be starting every game for you at this point. Yeah. So, I mean, getting Wall back, which to be fair, is going to still be a little while because he had the high ankle sprain and I know he's out there, but he's not practicing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess what you're living too, you look at the free agent signings and, I mean, obviously, right now, it's it, it's pretty tough to say the Tyler Bertuzzi signing has worked out, sitting on six goals. I mean, same thing with Max Domi, and then obviously Klinberg and, and Reeves, it, it just complete different story. So, uh, again, this is a common theme here, but this is a team that can't mess around too much because there's going to be there's going to be clubs nipping out their heels to get into the playoffs. And as much as you can, you know, things can turn around in a hurry, and someone like Bertuzzi all of a sudden can make a lot more sense in a in a first round playoff series. I mean, you, you've seen the, the, the lease already go to the hard on the, on the blend, the, the line blender and Holmberg up on the, on the top wide. And they've got to make sure that they're getting into the playoffs uh, full stop. You know, you keep, don't want to get into a situation where you're scrapping it out for your life with your, your, you know, your number one goalie on the shelf here for a while. So, I mean, listen, uh, do I think, the the view changed a little bit on things or there was a little bit of breathing room with a change at the top a little bit, but um, that changes fast. And obviously the expectation on these guys who just signed another monster deal mm-hmm. is, you know, at the very least, they're supposed to be making progress here. They're supposed to be going past the first round, past the second round. And it, right now that's just not where the arrow is pointing. And it's hard to look at the composition of this team, you know, especially on, on the back end and say, you really see the potential for a deep run here. Uh, and last one for you. It's involving the last two Canadian teams out there in the East and Montreal quietly going about their, their, their ways. You know, this was a team that didn't have a lot of high expectations, expectations. They'll, they'll move Sean Monaghan, maybe Jake Allen uh, potentially as well. But and then there's the Ottawa Senators going forward. Obviously Ottawa's got all those guys, young players signed long-term and whatnot, but Whose future are you more confident in, the Ottawa Senators or the Montreal Canadiens? Man, that's a great question. We were playing that game uh, before the season in terms of the Atlantic of the rebuilding teams, Detroit, Ottawa, Buffalo, Montreal. I mean, I think because the Canadians aren't as far along, number one, Mm -hmm. you were certainly tempted to put them at the bottom. I mean, I guess, again, it's sort of like we're, we're talking at the opposite end of the standings, but it's the same discussion we had about in some ways, Winnipeg or Vancouver, like, yeah. would you rather have the talent or would you rather have sort of the depth, so to speak, where, you know, the Canadians... Because here's, uh, here's have... how I want to frame it. Ottawa, they're locked into a lot of those guys that maybe they're getting second, you know, cold feet on. With Montreal, it's kind of a open cupboard. You know, you'll have cap space. You'll, you are a, a premier destination for, for teams. I know there's it's a pressure cooker, but this is a premier franchise. I just think how Montreal is going to go about the future because they're not saddled with all these guys right now. True. I mean, I think at the end of the day, I probably have to take, you know, Kachuk, Stutzla, Sanderson, like, you know, there's just, there's, those are really serious guys and Bathurst is having a bounce back here. I think I'd rather have those guys. And again, try to fill in around them um, rather than, saying, well, we're a pretty plucky team and we're making some shrewd and, you know, some good long-term moves. But at the end of the day, where's our top-end talent? We're not going to be drafting first overall. You know, maybe the Canadians will prove there's there's more than one blueprint for success. And it's not just drafting. I mean, they have drafted first overall, but obviously they, they haven't drafted Jack Hughes or that what guy. we expect. A, yeah. A, yeah, a Macklin Celebrini. Maybe they'll 
they'll have to find that guy somewhere else or or be the kind of team maybe like the Boston Bruins or St. Louis Blues that mm. you looked at that won cups or came very close and say, well, there isn't one absolute, you know, 100-point mega stud, but top to bottom, they're a super balanced lineup. And, you know, the Canadians are building from the blue line out with Caden Gooley and David Reinbacker, uh, their top pick last year, and a, and a bunch of guys who look like they're at least, you know, Lane you know Hudson. three, four, five. Yeah, sure, exactly. Yeah. So it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, I would have – I probably would have been happy to, under my bold prediction, say Ottawa or Buffalo was going to make the playoffs, but certainly would have had them ahead of the Canadians in terms of that race uh, to get out of the bottom of the Atlantic. And look what's happened. Buffalo's yeah. right there with the Canadians and, and Ottawa's below. So it's, uh, I mean, it, whatever could go wrong has gone wrong in Ottawa this year, but still, they nobody could have envisioned that team last in the Eastern Conference. Well, we working on uh, some new pieces we working on? Yeah, absolutely. Always got the power rankings coming out. Going to go shoot the power rankings video right now. So, yeah, we'll keep it uh, keep it pushing here. All right, buddy. Thank you so much, Ryan, for, for taking some time out of your morning and, and chatting some uh, Canadian teams about uh, – talking about the Canadian teams with me. Okay, sounds good.